welcome to episode three of Did They Ask the Fans, the episode of the Fan Engagement Pod, where the Roy Keane of Sports Marketing, Tim Crow, and me, Kevin Rye, the Alan Cork of Fan Engagement, though with a bit more hair, speak with a special guest about why fans don't get listened to and why that has to change. This episode, it's David Evans, Labour Party General Secretary, but more importantly, Chester fan and activist. He tells us all about how he fell in love with the club off the back of a nil-nil draw order shot in the 60s, goes into his personal journey as a fan, including the Terry Smith era. That was the US owner who famously had Chester players chasing imaginary balls. I kid you not, look it up. David was involved in the reformation of the club back in 2010, sat on the board and has also been a trustee of their community trust for a number of years. It's a really fun and entertaining chat with both of them and both supporting non-league clubs. So there's a bit of extra insight there as well as some look at the bigger issues of who supports Spurs. Tim's hoping to see Chester play the Micey Halifax Town again soon because it guarantees three points. Me, I'm not hoping them, uh, to see them play Wimbledon, but we won't talk about that. Don't forget to go to fanengadget.net to find out more. Enjoy the episode. Recording now. Right, so um, this is um, Did They Ask the Fans? Now, this, just for people listening, is a little bit distinct from uh, the normal chat, which where I talk to, um, uh, and this isn't casting any... uh, uh, aspersions or whatever on David where I talked to a professional in the industry about um, their view on fan engagement David's actually been as you'll find out uh, on the board of Chester Football Club um, the club he supports and helped to reform and is still a trustee and is the former chair of the charitable trust um, did they ask the fans is something which myself and Tim Crow, my co-host um, have started up to kind of just broaden it out a little bit and start chatting to people, mostly people in the public eye, who you know, people in, in who are interesting people, let's say, um, who who support a club. To talk to them about why fans don't get consulted on stuff, basically. Why did why is it that we <laughs> we end up where we do so often, and what's it like? What's the experience? You know, what's it like being a fan of of a of a club like Chester um, and because I think there are a lot of people, Tim will be one person who can um, speak to this way more than I can, um, you know, when it comes to marketing and the people coming, looking at the industry, um, trying to sell to it and whatever. I don't, I, I don't think, you know, and I think a lot of people, and I think Tim takes this view that, you know, not a lot of people like David necessarily get listened to or even heard. Um, so it's, you know, um, Tim, you, you, you're a fan of Halifax. David's a fan of Chester. A lot of people will listen to this, and they and they might, let's say, be Spurs fans. What was the term you? What's the term that that um uh that I think it was Frank Skinner used? Um, was it the the the, the black the dead chicken or something like that? Was the um was the term? Am I getting that uh, wrong? Black chicken. The, the black, black chicken. Um, his, son, his son Buzz coined it. The, the, the black chicken, yeah. The black chicken. Well, I prefer the dead chicken. But Tim, um, yeah, just just out of interest, in in your in your sector in marketing, are are there are they really sort of mostly fans of much bigger clubs, or are there are there many people like yourself? Um, we are going to get to you, David. I do promise. But this is the kind of opening gambit. No are there many people who support smaller clubs like yours? In, um, in your industry, but certainly in, in the sports marketing industry, 
there seemed to be a disproportionate number of Spurs fans. Um, right. <laughs> which which is which is which creates some interesting dynamics at times. Um, I think that I, one thing I've noticed is um, increasingly over the last few years, um, more and more people have sort of claimed at least a, a, a smaller team as kind of their second team. Um, I, I meet very very few people who support mm. a small club as their yeah. their main team but I think more and more people are, are sort of mm. at least recognizing that whether it's their hometown or whether they you know somewhere where they live now or just because you know they've got an affiliation for it in some ways yeah. Forest Green have picked up quite a lot of right I wouldn't call them glory hunters but um, they, they seem to be um, quite popular as people's second team. I mean, and Ebbsfleet had a little moment for a while. Yes, yes, they um, did, yes. They a, yeah. they moment. That, that moment seems to have passed. Um, yes, well, that, that 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 was probably connected with that quite awful phase that I had some involvement <laughs> in. I'm, yeah. I hasten to add, not helping <laughs> them so much as help, trying to help them get out of that. David, David, so in politics, do you bump into a lot of fans of the, the black... I still want to call it the dead chicken. Actually, the, can I call it the rubber chicken instead? But I, do you bump into a lot of fans of the uh, of the black stroke dead stroke rubber chicken, or is it is it um, is it full of people who you know have allegiance to their hometown club like you, even though you've lived obviously in London, God for what forty years or something now? I've lived most of my life in London. My family moved yeah. from Leicester when I was quite young, um, but the the life sentence was imposed on me by my, <laughs> my father and my grandfather, and there was there is no parole. I can life sentence. Yeah, I cannot do anything <laughs> about it. I used to live 200 yards from Sellers Park. Oh. And I would get a, get up in the morning, when Wimbledon were playing there. Um, yeah. Uh, and I would get up in the morning and think, why am I travelling 200 miles to go and see a team lose? You know, and you know what, David? I really don't know why you were. No, joking. I mean, but that mm -hmm. says a lot, doesn't it, about this mad loyalty? It, it, <laughs> it, it does. I'm just trying to think. I can't think that there's an undue proportion of the followers of the black chicken um uh, what was your what was your first chester game david it was away at aldershot in about 1968 result uh 2-1 to aldershot right okay it's no wonder, that, and, it's no wonder and, that you were hooked for life no exactly no it's um, <laughs> uh, uh, it was halifax town neil bradford city neil so again I mean, you know, it was obvious that I was going to spend the next completely counting. Yeah. Can I, can I, can I be a little bit more? Um, I mean, look, my first match, I believe, was I think it was uh, Mikey Teague, a, a legend at Wimbledon, will be able to tell me whether I got this exactly. Right. It was either two, two or three, three. I think it was a, a score draw with Swindon Town in I think '78. So mine was at least and more entertaining than your draw, Tim, and goal. clearly better than a. <laughs> yeah, and clearly better than a crap result at Aldershot, David, which would, you know, that would hook me for all of about a month, probably. Um, I'm probably in trouble now with our club historian, Charles Ch Ch Sumner, because I've probably got the score or the date wrong, but yeah. we definitely lost. Um, uh, and so, it, wasn't so, the, it wasn't the famous game where, at Aldershot, where both Chester's left back and right back, both called Jones, both broke the leg. <laughs> <laughs> In the days of only one substitute, or was it? Were there Indeed. no substitutes? Possibly yes. Not, but anyway, yeah. yes. Wait, did yes. the referee yes. wave play on in both cases? <laughs> yes. <laughs> magic sponge. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Stop, stop, so, like, stop rolling around. Get up. <laughs> so, Dave, so, David, um, were you um, a home and away fan? Or, or, you know, I mean, obviously, being home and away for you is a bit difficult, given that you lived opposite Sellers Park. So, yeah. for those who don't... Well, what I was going to say, I was about to say, for those who don't realise, that's in Croydon, but obviously everyone knows that's in Croydon. Um, so, but were you a home and away fan, and you were you were you were travelling around the country watching Chester uh, wherever they played? I, n- I never got through the card um, in terms of doing every game, but um, would try would certainly take in, you know, uh, up to a dozen home games, and the, obviously when we were playing in a national mm. league probably more um, away games. That would be about the sort of scale of it. I had the opportunity in the, in the kind of um, mid to late 90s to move back to the Northwest. So then I was uh, every game home and away when I was based in the, in the Northwest. You would um, do, wouldn't you? Yeah, that was, um, well, I'll say a joy. We weren't brilliant <laughs> at the time. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we get, we everything. Yeah, I was everything. Just trying, trying to explain to my daughter, um, who is a recent convert to football, and she admonished me for being miserable and pessimistic and dour when watching football. And she doesn't <laughs> understand that football is not enjoyable; it's painful. Um, it's meant to hurt. Meant to hurt. Even when you win, you know, it, it, you're meant. It's meant to hurt because, yeah. Anyway, sorry, sorry, Kev. Well, no, no, it's fine. No, this is, you know, uh, what we're trying to kind of do as well is get, you know, I, I certainly, um, I, I think, is to try to get people to understand it isn't all about glory. But but look, I mean, it, you something clearly hooked you. So you're, you're, you're following Chester all this time. You've been through, I mean, both of you have, I, I have to some extent, been, been through this period where kind of, Football was a thing that was fairly, it was fairly straightforward. Local bloke, and it was usually a bloke, wasn't it? Um, always a bloke. bloke. Local bloke owned the team, owned the club. Um, yeah. It was all fairly secure most of the time because they gave a damn about the local area, even if they were a bit arrogant or puffed up or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, you know, that if they were the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. Um, there was that weird period, wasn't there, in the sort of, from the 70s, probably to the, I've always sort of thought to the sort of early 2000s where it was just, um, it was kind of a free for all, wasn't it? And that idea of did they, you know, if we'd have, if podcasts have existed, existed then and we'd said, why don't they ask the fans? It just would have been a question. You'd just throw it into, um, into a vacuum. It, is not, it wouldn't even occur to anyone, would it? No. It was a, it was a, how did that affect, you know, Chester? Did, did, because, you know, was it was it just kind of were you just a bit kind of you know stuck at the bottom of the fourth division most of the time? Didn't really bother you very much, and then all of a sudden, obviously St- Stephen Vaughan era and was when it all kind of went. But what it was, what was it like in that sort of period from the sort of late seventies, let's say, I think really is when it all started to change to the sort of say the late nineties, early two thousands for you. No, I mean it's interesting. Um, uh, we were locally owned, just as you describe. Um, uh, a local florist, um, you know, he was a conservative councillor. Uh, a guy called Reg Rowlands uh, was was ch- chairman of the club. Um, and to my to my eternal shame, I can remember joining in a chorus of, you know, Reg Rowlands, you can stick your flowers up your ass when we were doing bad. <laughs> um, 
yeah. uh, it's too much really. because that is quite polite for uh, well, was it I, you sh- are you sure you're not telling us all the lyrics David I've subbed I've subbed, I've subbed some of the lyrics um right. to, 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 to my shame fans chanted at Elton John one one particular Saturday <laughs> afternoon it's extremely mild um, <laughs> But Reg, for all the, you know, as you, you, we were normally rooted fairly close to the bottom of the fourth division, as you say, uh, Kev. But um, it, we, we did, you know, it's like, you know, they say, was it the song? You know, you don't know what you've, um, what you've got till you, till you lose it or something like that. Because we didn't know what we had in Reg Rollins. Because um, uh, as soon as he left, we were sold to people who had no connection with the city. And it was just a spiral then from the from the bad to the mad to the worse um, through to ultimately the club being wound up with mm. the first person, first person who to fail the fit and proper person test in the country, one Stephen Vaughan, um, mm. just um, leaving, it, leaving us with, without a football club. And that's where you came in, Kevin, Supporters Direct, to yeah. help us reform uh, and get and throughout that entire period, we had no say, no say yeah, at all. Yeah. So was that was that was quite a similar thing for yourselves at Halifax, wasn't it, Tim? With albeit without, um, I've forgotten his name now, David uh, Terry. What's his face? The American who Terry who Smith. tried to train. Yeah, Terry Smith is that training you without a ball and all that kind of stuff and some of these mad uh, yeah. ideas that he had. But but Tim, was it was it? Now, you know, I had some involvement. This isn't just the Kevin Rye show, but this, I, I had some involvement in Halifax, as you know, or the, with, the, with the Supporters Trust when things mm. were sort of heading in a similar direction to Chester. It was just yeah. before Chester, I think. Was it, what, 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 is the story quite similar there? Do you see a lot of parallels with, with what you went through as a, as a fan and the sort yeah, of, you know, I, lack I, of ignorance of what you thought and no one cared? And... No, I mean, our, our you know, Demise was 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 horrible, and and it was horrible for for two reasons really. The first is that um, we we you know the 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 club's finances were so bad that you know things kept coming out, and we ended up owing much more than um, was was first thought. So you know that just got worse and worse, and and also we happened to be because we were the only club that went, that folded at the time. And because of how badly, not only had we been run, but how badly the whole thing was being handled, we were sort of singled out for exceptional punishment. So we were, um, we were relegated by uh, either four or five divisions. I've, I've been trying to forget it for years. Mm. But, you know, we went, you know, we literally went down the, you know, the, the, the ultimate game of snakes and ladders and went, right down so it was a long long way back up um so yeah it was it was it was a horrible horrible oh. time um and, and for a long time it looked like we weren't we weren't going to make it back you know mm. that david that the the, the the um the, the bit i'm interested in because it used to frustrate me obviously an awful lot because i was you know i was uh, obviously went through similar things to both of you although obviously my 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 club's league place got carted up, carted off, and given to someone else, as opposed yeah. to having to go going bankrupt and reforming. But um, the what happened to Chester, 
um, it used to frustrate the hell out of me that you try to explain to the to the authorities, particularly that look, there are some simple things you can do. You can you can make these people more accountable for what they're doing. You can make them actually forget accountability. You can just pub- make them publish more information. But it was all that secrecy thing. It was always this idea of 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 um, of the that somehow it was the holy of holies that you couldn't possibly know what was going on in a football club, doesn't it? That it was this sort of weird hangover, as though you were going to the mill owner or the factory or the shop owner or the factory owner and asking to see the books. You know, you weren't. You, you were simply saying, "We're spending all this money. We support the club." Can we just know that you're not wasting it all, please? It's quite mad when you think about it, isn't it? Well, well, it, well it is, and I think I think it's um, I think it's a legacy of what we've just been talking about in terms of that. You know, it, you, it was the former mill owner, the lo- the local shopkeeper, and so you know you, you're met with the kind of the you know you know oh no you know what um, you know that's 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 private and also very rude as Ian Drury said. You know you can't you can't you shouldn't have a right to see it. And it's a complete, you know, misunderstanding of who football clubs belong to. They, they, they belong. I know I'm, you know, treading on um, well-worn, a well-worn track, but they do belong to the supporters in a much, you know, in a much more profound way than somebody mm. who waves a share certificate. Mm. Um, and, th- and that understanding should, should, in my view, be built into football the way football's run and until it is things will keep falling over hi i'd just like to introduce you to match day digital the world's first football first digital magazine platform bringing together premium paid content from clubs match day programs popular football magazines newspapers and high quality fan produced fanzines what a list it gives access to a bigger choice of content for fans and for publishers a far wider audience than would normally be available through their own print editions or digital offerings you can download the app via google store and apple store or you can use the native web app go to matchdaydigital.com for more and if you're a club or publisher drop mdd a line they're a lovely bunch and i'm sure they'd love a chat with you about your needs and and sort of the, the just kind of the way that football gets represented in the public eye so you know when when i'm talking to tim about you know, being being he works in sports marketing and 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 that kind of thing. Um, the way football gets represented when you see how um, football. I mean, you know, look. Obviously, I'm talking about the sale of a product, for example. You know, a bit of bit of um, activation that's related to a big club. But do you do you ever look at it as I do and go, which version of football, even the big clubs? Which version of football have you been watching? Because even when I, you know, toured around Europe working, you know, and worked with some of the the fans of very big clubs over here, Liverpool, Man United, um, you know, what have you, Everton, I always found the experience of being a fan for them wasn't that distinct from being a fan of my own club, or and I would say my my experience of being a fan of my club isn't that distinct of of being a fan of your club, you know, of you being a fan of your club. So do they, do they kind of, is, is this some kind of um, odd image they built up um, of what football actually is? Do they, do you think they, a lot of the people who kind of come and, I, I suppose people who buy it, invest in it, advertise in it, market with it. Do you think they're kind of working on a sort of fundamental misunderstanding of what a football club is, that they're kind of too 
focused on the entertainment side of it, which undoubtedly is entertainment. I get that. But do you think that maybe if they drilled down a bit more into really what the culture is, you'd you'd find what they do more authentic and real and more, you know, ex- there's more excitement in a football club than just this apparent glamour of the now, of the player that you've just signed, all that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I do. Um, I think it would be richer in all senses for it. Um, you just, sorry, it might be a bit of a digression if you don't... But you digress just, away, David. Digress away, mate. You, you just you just you sparked a, a memory for me that I was really struck by the the parallel between um, politics, which is what I work in, uh, and football. When um, uh, we reformed, um, as as you said, back in two thousand and ten, and um, we you know we set up the supporters' organisation and we campaigned. And we communicated, and we built a, a, you know, a membership of City Fans United, the supporters group of two thousand people, uh, raised a lot of money, um, um, and um, but then uh, all of a sudden we had a football club, and I was elected as a director. There were ten of us, I think, uh, on that first board, and all of a sudden we moved from opposition into office just as in politics, you know, you move from opposition into government or leading a council or something. And the, the, the process had an absolutely uncanny parallel for me in as much as we were absolutely at one with the supporters. We were, we were um, immensely popular as the kind of leaders of the CFU and um, uh, we were completely together. And that, I'll never forget that sense of togetherness um, I think Kev, you were at some some of the meetings that we had, and it was palpable, tangible, um, visceral, and uh, you know just really emotional. Then we had to run a football club, and it was lonely. And I think we learned some really sharp lessons because all of a sudden we had to take some difficult decisions, some of which we couldn't share, you know, around contracts and uh, and other things. Um, and we found ourselves suddenly isolated from our base. There were things we had to do we couldn't share with them. And then we were so busy trying to run a football club from scratch that we got further isolated from our base. And so, you know, if you're, you know, the center, central kind of point of this podcast is, you know, about asking the fans. Um, I don't think we measured up Um uh, and we were given great support and great advice, but I think with hindsight, which is of course always wonderful, that I, I, I particularly as some, somebody who had experienced that working in politics, I should have predicted it. I should have been able to say, when we get in, we're going to find X, Y, and Z. And I didn't, you know, if I was to do it again, as hopefully I never will have to, um, because we run our club now, um, uh, uh, you know, I would be really strong on the absolute vital nature of engage, continuing to engage and really involve. Um, uh, I don't know whether this is a profound point or a banal point, but you just suddenly sparked the, the memory of it. Mm. Came alive for me, alive for me again. Well, it's the perception. No, I think it's not banal at all. It's the perception of um, of what when you're out when you're on the outside, you know. Um, the analysis of something it's it's you know it, it, in terms of football it's, it is 
this is where it's very different from politics. Obviously, when you're in the opposition, you have a level, if you're talking about nationally, you obviously have a level and probably locally, a, a level of insight you're, you're permitted to have yeah. because the system yeah. allows you to have that. When you're talking about a football club in the position you're in and many others like mine, my colleagues at Wimbledon, lots of friends of mine across the game and people you know as well, um, they would walk in and, and they would have to start finding out where the bodies were buried, yes. you know. <laughs> Uh, fortunately, not literally, I might add, but, you know, perhaps sometimes that might have been the case. Oh. But, you know, it, it was, uh, it depends on who was running your club. But, you know, it, it yes, it is. It, the parallels are very clear, though, that that um, that once you get in and start having to make decisions, um, it's a whole different thing. And it's not half as sexy as, it's not half as, um, you know, as together in the, you know, the togetherness that you get when you're fighting the good fight is very different from the aloneness of leadership and having yeah. to be there making decisions. It's something I learned. All I know about politics is small P politics is learned through what I did with supporters direct. Yeah. Um, so the, the parallels are, are excellent. Um, David, do you, uh, do you think that on the back of the super league, so-called European super league um, debacle, that we're seeing a sea change in the relationships, the relationship between clubs and fans. Um, I'm seeing I'm seeing good things and I'm seeing not so good things. I don't know. I would like to think so. Um, I'd really like to think so. I'm not sure where it leads. Um, it was almost sorry. This I don't want this to come out wrong, but it was almost too quick a victory. Yeah. Um, good point. I agree with you. Uh, I'm reminded from my um, my my studies of you know the revolution in in Mozambique where Frelimo, the freedom fighters, fought their way half to, halfway down the country, uh, setting up schools and hospitals, whatever as they as they went, and then the Portuguese ran away, and they never managed to successfully um, do the same in the southern half of the country because they hadn't fought for it. So. Um, I, I I don't want to sound gratuitous about about that because of a victory is a victory, but I think yeah, just just that really. I think a bit a bit more of a struggle might have might have enabled people to feel their their their, their power and um, uh, the potential of of organising and coming together to to fight for a better game. I don't know. Yeah, looking back on it, it was extraordinary how quickly it folded, isn't it? although they're. They're desperately trying to sort of resuscitate the body on a sort of daily basis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> bodies, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, this, yeah. I mean, we, yes, we did our first episode actually of this series with Ronan Evan from um, the Football, Football Supporters Europe. Um, so we talked extensively about it i mean and some there were some people sort of claiming that this was all um um an act of genius on the part of the bigger clubs to fool everyone into giving them what they wanted but they'd already been given what they wanted so why on earth shoot yourself in the face i think was the term i used but um but it does also show you does it not gentlemen that um football is run by ordinary human beings yeah. who yeah. cock up and i i mean and David, you must have seen this, and Tim, I'm absolutely certain you've seen it in your in the environment you've worked in. 
um, that this, I, this, con this constant idea that clever and rich and often rich people, but certainly people who are running things in charge of things, that somehow that they must be able to cover every single mistake uh, or not make mistakes. And it must always be organized and everything they do must, there must be a reason behind it because they're there. <laughs> and that, that sort of, in a way, led in, in some ways, kind of perhaps fooled a lot of us as fans into perhaps not organizing as quick, um, maybe not seeing things urgently, David, do you reckon? I mean, but with Terry, um, remind me of his name again, the, 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 Terry, the American guy. Terry, Terry Smith. And, uh, Terry know, Smith. I'm going yeah. to be honest here. We, as the ISA, yeah. The original, I say, before the, uh, mm. the mm. trust CFU. Can I just chuck this in? This is the Independent Supporters Association for people not of that era. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, we we welcomed him. Oh, uh, we, I didn't know that. He, he told us things we we wanted to hear, and right. um, we believed the story. And we did not. Um, you know, this is uh, I can't remember the year, but it was significantly before 2010. Um, uh, we went through several more calamitous iterations before finally getting hold of the club ourselves. But we, because we were blinded by his his story, because we want and football fans want to believe. Um, and uh, again, that was a really sharp lesson that we did not do our due diligence. Um, and I don't think Terry Smith was a bad man in the way that. Sorry, I'll go on record as saying that I think Stephen Vaughan was. But he was, he was more, you know, in the category of mad, some of his, some of his ideas. But he wrecked our club. Uh, and we, I wouldn't say we, we weren't responsible for that because that's just being far too tough on our, ourselves. Mm. We were too, far too slow to pick up the, the danger signals um, with it. Um, but, that, but then, David, can I chuck in that maybe um, when, you've, when you've not went... When there's absolutely, I mean, all of the stuff people won't won't realise this, but all of the stuff that went on from the late seventies and the emergence of fanzines through the period where things like ID cards were opposed and the creation of the original Football Supporters Association, and then groups like yours and groups like the one that you know did all the work at Wimbledon, the what that I was on the committee of um, and was involved in the Wimbledon Independent Supporters Association, this was all organic. Yeah. You know, it was only when Supporters Direct came along yeah. that the veil was lifted to the extent that it is. So the idea, I think these days, fans, I'm not, I would never say they've got no excuse because power, if power lies in one group people's hands and, and, and they own the club, it's very hard for the fans to organise in a really meaningful way and get control. You can't just do it straight away. But there are, there's a lot more of inf information out there. There's a lot more understanding about things. You know, what you were doing then was self-organising and responding to what you thought was going on. And if someone comes along and goes, it's OK, fellas, I'm actually um, I might not be quite the messiah, but I'm going to do a great job here. And this is why. Well, yeah. you know, it's I such, sort of again, such that. a good point. And we really did feel as though we were we had a we had a, a one link up with Brighton who had gone through it. Um, and we did a kind of united colours of football um uh, uh, event uh, match when we played Brighton, um, but we had there was no there wasn't that that network to draw on, um, and I think you're right. I think now we would have 
you know, when it came round again for us, of course, we were able to avail ourselves of Supporters Direct, who were just br brilliant. Um, and and I think that now there is there is that vital uh, knowledge, experience, etc. To go, but I still think deference is a problem. Um, we 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 defer too much, and I think I think lots of fans defer too much because we you know we want to believe the good story um yeah and, and and only subject the scrutiny when things the wheels start to come off the newcastle united uh situation yeah absolutely yeah absolute exemplar mm. yeah yeah i mean i can yeah it, tim go on carry on david i, I just I, I don't want to keep drawing parallels with politics but i can remember um, it's what I do for a living, so I, I'm yeah, to it. Fair enough, really, David, I, I think, I, yeah. I, I can remember, um, for the f first time spending, uh, first time I was able to spend a long time with a, um, um, a, a very, very senior Labour politician. I'm wondering whether I should name him. Yeah, well, it, it, Tony Blair, which, you know, isn't, isn't a popular, um, <laughs> popular as I think it should be these days. But anyway, Tony, I... I, I, I I had the privilege of spending a couple of hours with Tony, Tony, Tony Blair when I worked for the Labour Party last time round. And I remember coming out, walked out of Downing Street and thought, oh my God, he's just a bloke. That, yeah. was, that was what, you know, he's running the country, he's prime minister and he's been kind of asking me stuff. What's he doing asking me stuff? He's supposed yeah. to be omnipotent. He's supposed to be a prime, but he's just a bloke. And I think, yeah, your point, they are just, well, sadly, you know, almost invariably blokes. Um, uh, uh, but we need to find a way to be less deferential yeah. and more challenging, and um, it's subject them to more scrutiny, which will help them in the in the. No, well, I get that exactly, yeah. David. I think that and that 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 just that just bring it back to that Newcastle thing. Actually, um, that whole um, you know the other day, there's a letter from um, Amanda Staveley, who's clearly not very happy that she, her and her, her consortium aren't able to take the club over and they're going through a legal process. And we're not going to talk about that, but, but she then puts a letter out clearly um, to, to the, to the, to Tracy Crouch, who's leading the fan led review talking about an issue that's got nothing to do with Tracy Crouch whatsoever. Mm. And I suspect Amanda Staveley knows that. Um, and then of course the fans all start saying to Tracy Crouch, what are you going to do about it then? And it's like, you know, that, that not, you know, that, that, that huge passion that that fans have, the idea that people frankly use that for whatever reason she thinks that's useful. Um, you know, there's an illustration of how hard it can be sometimes to get people to see what's really going on at a club. Yeah. Um, when you've when you've got that and clearly what's going on in Newcastle is it's a very controversial idea of that takeover even being permitted. Yeah. And you've got people using this passion in their in their, you know, in their own way. It's quite I think it's quite unpleasant in its own way for me. It's deeply, I find all a lot of that deeply cynical. Yeah. Um, and, and people sort of using fans. Um, I mean, Tim, that's basically, um, here I go sort of veering desperately towards the subject of marketing again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I like to try to. It's all marketing's fault. I mean, it's not true. Um, but, you know, that's sort of a bit of the problem with a lot of the way people talk about football and try to sell the idea or understand it is it's, it's, it's all a bit sort of surface and it, I mean, maybe, it, maybe what we're asking for is not going to happen because 
you know, can you really get into the depths of what it means to be a fan and create um, tantalising copy if you if you if you explain the fact that being a Chester fan or supporting Halifax or to be honest, most of the time even supporting Wimbledon, it's a bit miserable. <laughs> it's not really going to sell much, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's not the disappointment that kills you; it's the hope, as they say. But I, I think you know that it's it's actually there's a really interesting front opened up in in football, particularly on the back of the Super League, but also on the back of um, this idea about monetizing uh, fans as as data. So. Um, I saw it dramatised dramatically, heard it dramatised dramatically the other day, a finance guy who is an is a unashamed supporter of the Super League and everything it stands for and, and would quite happily uh, watch all small clubs just disappear. Um, and and he, uh, he has two completely contradictory points of view, which sort of dramatise it. One is that data is sort of, the new oil, as in, you know, what, what you can learn about fans to sell things to them is the future of football and valuations are going to be based on that. But almost in the same breath, he says that leadership in football is not listening to the fans. So in other words, we love you as sort of, you know, a spreadsheet, mm. names on a spreadsheet and a, a, a mm. part of an algorithm, but we don't want to listen to you as human beings. I think that's going to be a huge problem for football going forward. Mm. I really, mm. Um, mm. it has it has enormous ramifications, uh, and and the people who who stand in the middle of that, creating that, don't they're not really they don't really understand. Despite the fact that they say they want to understand football fans, they don't. Mm. They just want to sell them things. Mm. And David, I know we have to wind up really now because I know Tim's in a hurry and you're in a hurry. Um, we're all in a hurry. Um, but your your experience as a fan since 2010 um, is all about listening. And I, I appreciate yeah. that you, you've, you've been through periods where perhaps you haven't listened enough. Perhaps you haven't always known how to because, you know, football clubs are not easy places to listen when you've got the, um, the repeated, the re you know, um, match, next match, next match, next match, transfer window, transfer window, transfer window on repeat. But yeah. your your model, especially the fact that you came through a difficult period, you know, like us at Wimbledon, you know, where we nearly lost control of our club a couple of years ago, and and we've and we've thankfully avoided that. And and likewise, you've you know gone through similar things in different, in slightly different ways. Your the the listening model, it's a pretty good model, really, isn't it? Actually, oh. where and you get the chance to learn your lessons, don't you? That's a pretty decent experience of being a fan, really, even if the results aren't great. Absolutely. And we did. Um, uh, we've been through some pretty tricky times since. We had a, um, a, a period sort of two, two, three years ago where we had a financial crisis and, you know, no time to go into how it happened, but it happened. And it caused lots of people to question the model. You know, we need a big investor. We can't do this on our own. You know, the, 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 the usual voices that will never go away completely. But what that crisis actually did was brought us back together. And it, it, it enabled us to rediscover the engagement and communication and togetherness. And we raised a shed load of money in a short period of time, corrected it, 
put in place some better engagement and communication and it served us well. And the key lesson, as you say, was it was our club. If it hadn't been our club, we wouldn't have had any say. It would have been taken off us and it wasn't. We still got it. David, I think that's absolutely the thing people have to take away is in the end, and, you know, this allows me to be a little bit more personal in my views, although I work across the game, I, I think, you know, um, I think there's some terrific private owners out there and everything. And I, But I've always said I'm very clear about what I think the superior model is and that I think it works better if it's given the chance is fan ownership. Um, but the major reason is, is, is often, at the very least, if you've got a cast iron guarantee of a say in the football club, whether you own the whole thing or not, but owning is better, is that if a mistake is made, then you can change the outcome yep. of it. If I know if, if the people in charge are not doing the right job, you can change the people doing doing the job badly. And that, you know, that in the end is the big takeaway for me. Mm. Um, but look, David, I know, you know, you have a busy day job. Um, it's um, very, very good to talk to you. Um, and it will be it will be nice to to see, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to see Chester, you know, it, I really, really desperately want to see you back at the minimum in the National League at some point in the not-too-distant future. Because That would be good. You know, I hope yeah. I have some Chester pass cross again. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I Absolutely. hope the result is the same as it was last time we played you. <laughs> Which was, uh, Tim, can you just remind everyone what the result was, please? Uh, we, we won 4-0. Yeah. All right. I think we beat Chester, but our, our unfortunately our result was wiped off because that's the season you went bust. So oh. it would be nice to play and beat you again too, David. <laughs> I, th- I think we'll find we beat you three one. I was there. Yeah, I, I it was white. It was no, no one knows what that. No one recognises that result, David. So you can forget that, mate. Anyway. <laughs> Did they ask the fans? You can hear more episodes um, of that podcast episode plus Baz Chat and the Fan Engagement Chat via your favourite podcast app. Search Fan Engagement Pod and go to fanengagement.net for more about our work.
Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah,